0: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 630 Chad.
1: I was thrown out of the electoral college for partying too much. That's why I'm now a radio host. Thanks a lot for tuning in inside sports on 630 Chad. Just a one hour edition. Seven o'clock. I hand it over to the newsy people to keep you updated on what's going on south of the border. I'm happy to hear from you if you'd like to text or call, 780-496-0063. And we're going to combine sports and politics a bit in the first half hour of the show. I'm pleased to welcome to Inside Sports 11 years as an offensive lineman in the Canadian Football League. Very interesting gentleman. It is Peter Diakowski checking in. Peter, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, sir? Hey, doing great. Thanks
2: for having me on.
1: Well, you know what? You're one of these folks we've wanted to have on for a while, so we're happy to talk to you. You've had a, uh, a very interesting uh, CFL career and a very interesting life away from the football field. And that's where we'll start tonight, Peter. In, in February of 2019, you ran for the Conservative Party of Canada... In the uh, in the federal election and, and I want to go through this a little bit And take people inside that journey First of all, what enticed you To actually uh, be a candidate? Was that something you were always interested in Or how did it come about?
2: Well, the overused joke, of course Is that I missed the abuse from football
1: <laughs>
2: that's, that's yeah, great. I, I thought politics Would fill that void in my life But you know what? I I, I was a Boy Scout Growing up, I've always had a firm belief in the, uh, the necessity uh, of public service in, in one's life. And I had an, an opportunity to maybe go to Ottawa and be a strong voice for Hamilton, a place that had become my home. And I had grown a little bit tired of seeing us you'll miss out on opportunities, be overlooked. And I thought, well, I'm certainly not quiet or shy. Maybe I could put those... Who, uh traits my character to work for the for the city and so i decided to throw my hand in the city election
1: all right and what was it uh did you have a lot of sort of people behind you did you have to get past maybe the stigma of like oh wait a minute this guy's a pro athlete why is he waiting into this what was that part of it like
2: you know there was a little bit of that but Unfortunately, because I I had made my home in Hamilton, and uh, my policy, whenever I was asked, to help out with anything, and as a football player, especially on a a loved team like the Tiger Cats, just like it ended to the Eskimos, a lot of people ask the team for help with events or they extend invitations to to bring players and other guests to fundraisers and functions. My policy was always to say yes. Because I figured the only reason they're asking me is because I've got this really cool job playing for the team and the only reason reason the team and the job exists is because they gave it to me so why not you know what uh uh pay it forward is all all sorts of metaphors for for that that concept so i you know i'd always be the first hand raised and it got me all around the the city over my years playing i got to know people all over It, it felt really good to make a positive impact or try to make a positive impact and, and I think because of, because of that, people figured I was, likely for the right reasons, but, but also people had had a chance to meet me, and you know, there's that stereotypical dumb jock, and sometimes I, I do live up to that quite nicely, but, um, but not always, and, and so people were, people were receptive.
1: How, how did you, you, you mentioned that, that you had to go into politics because you missed the abuse from pro football. <laughs> Was there a what, what? But was there a side to it that you found um, you found ugly or that disappointed you? Maybe once you got into it, or maybe a story that you were like, "Man, that's a low blow."
2: You know what? There was there was some rough stuff, but I got a high tolerance. You know, my I went to my college program, LSU. Go Tigers! We had we had Nick Saban. He was a tough coach. And he had some tough assistant coaches too, and I, they put you through the ringer. Uh, you go into that program as an 18-year-old, and you come out of it on the other end, or you know, or, or you don't, um, as a, you know, as a fully formed man. And I don't mind uh, at, at all when people give it to you rough. So I went there just about every single doorstep I could get myself. We knocked as a campaign. My team we knocked on about 50,000 doors um some you know some of them the same ones two or three times about 35,000 unique doors and i saw myself uh at around 15 to 20,000. because you know i'd be knocking everyone else would be knocking with someone so i'd run across the street go say hi and you know generally it was fantastic but every so often you know, you'd get you know passions run high in politics and this is federal politics so i was the conservative candidate and if anyone didn't like the color blue for whatever reason, and remember, Hamilton's an NDP stronghold, and there's uh, some long-held uh, uh, beliefs and a, a caricature of the uh, of, of the, the mean conservative, which, of, you know, of course, I don't think would apply uh, to many people at all, let alone me. And I did have some interesting encounters. There were a few true door slams, but they were very few and far between. Generally, I found people were great. Even if they weren't going to vote for me, they were really really good and they appreciated that i was on their doorstep to listen to if they wanted to listen to me uh, i had uh, a lot of really good experiences but, and, and when the door did slam i it, it you know, doesn't personally offend me and sometimes they really slammed it hard and i thought oh that's a good one
1: <laughs> uh what about did, did you have a lot of debates did you have a lot of interaction with uh, with the other candidates where you had to think on your feet or get into it a little bit
2: you know, what? we only had a couple of debates. We had uh, the main televised debate in the Spectator uh, newspaper auditorium, which was uh, the, the main venue for that sort of thing. So we had one major debate there, and we had a couple of other, you know, debates slash forums that um, that we attended. They were all pretty friendly. The gloves didn't come off because, again, we're we one we're one riding in a you know very big federal election, so it it never got into Name calling—it—it it, it didn't get uh, didn't get too personal, and you know, no one took any shots at me. which wasn't too bad. I had um, I had one case of in- inaccurate reporting of something I said in the press, and I reached out to the journalist, and and he apologized. So because it, 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 there was an inaccurate uh, transcription, so I can't even say I got fake news or anything. It just—it it was pretty good, and people were great. I had probably. I, I can't say for sure, but there's a very good chance because I was knocking on doors every 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 weekend, every evening, every day during the day, and and all summer too because it was a fixed election date. There's no snap election. We knew it was coming for a year, and I was nominated, you know, ten months out. So I was going out, you know, all summer. And there's a lot of barbecues in the summer. There's a lot of people enjoying their, you know, back porches. Lots I had probably more sports and garage beers than any other candidate in
1: the federal election. I'm comfortable making that claim. Peter Diakowski joining us at Inside Sports. Longtime CFL offensive lineman talking about his adventures in politics for the 2019 Canadian federal election. So election day comes. You went through hundreds of game days in high school at LSU in the Canadian Football League. How do you compare the experience of, uh, of election day with the experience of a game day in football?
2: There is a, a, a ton in common, and at the same it was completely different. It was something entirely new for me, but there were a lot of things that rhymed. You know, all of the, the preparation, everything that, that goes into getting ready for, for a game over the off season and over uh, a week, I had that same feeling. You know, we were getting ready for it. Um, we were getting ready for it, and then it's finally here. But there's a difference because on a game day, all this preparation, and then everything is on my shoulders and I've got to execute on game day, whereas on election day, at that point it's completely out of my hands and it's entirely in the hands of the voters, of the people to decide who they want to represent them in parliament. So that is completely flipped. And that was something new to me because even in the worst loss I've ever been a part of, I've always gone back and looked at my own performance, this is in uh, in the football context, and thought, which of these plays could I have done better on? You know, where like if I played a perfect game, maybe we would have had a shot. And but no matter what the margin is, I'm always beating myself up on each and every individual uh, individual play. And then the game itself, each play is a moment to change the game. And, and I've got incredible power and, and agency in that. The election day, the haze in the barn. I was, you know, still you know going around having coffees at all the Tim Hortons, uh, you know, doing all the things you're supposed to. Supposed to do on election day, but you know, half the people are already voted by the time I talk to <laughs> them.
1: Would you do it again? Would you want to run again? Either doesn't have to be federally, provincially, civic election. Would you like to stay in politics?
2: You know what? I, I would love to uh, have a, a, a do-over for sure. In, in that sense, I, I also still maintain my long-standing desire to be in, involved in, in public life and in the, the political process. Now, the one challenge is, my most important constituent, that being my wife, she, she may put even more into the election than I did, and she is not keen on me running again. So fortunately, we haven't had a, uh, we haven't had a snap election yet. Uh, we keep seeing our, our friends in orange popping up the current uh, government and all of their, their confidence votes. So I might yet still have time to work on, uh, to work on my lovely wife, Rachel, who is the most beautiful uh, woman in the world and the, the mother of my
1: daughters, uh, to let me have another go at it. But uh, we'll see. Peter Diakowski joining us on Inside Sports. I know you got something up at the, uh, coming up at the bottom of the hour. We'll, we'll have you out in plenty of time. I, I want to throw a couple other ones uh, at you. T- tell us about your experience on Jeopardy. I think it was five or six years ago you were on uh, with another great Canadian, Alex Trebek. What what was that whole day like? What's it like actually being on that show? And then you're you're obviously a smart guy, but then you got the moments where you got to ring that buzzer and you got to answer the question. It's not as easy as sitting on your couch and doing it.
2: Well, I'll tell you what. So just you know, for everyone who who, who might not have watched, it's probably most of the uh, the audience. I'm a Jeopardy bronze medalist, uh, so that would place me three out of uh, third out of three. But it's uh it it is uh it is interesting because when I watched at home, I was. Incredible, and I'd always wonder whenever someone's on the show and they're you know they're not having a day. You think, how is this guy on the show? Why are they letting anyone just walk on the set? So I, I tried out for it. First, you do an online test, and you have to be in the top you know percentile or, or quarter, whatever it is, of the test to get asked to come to a live in-person, um, a live in-person evaluation. So I did the test, heard nothing, and then. Oh, Four or five months later, I got an email from Sony, Sony Pictures, saying uh, we're doing uh, an event in Toronto, Come cutout. So I went up to Toronto, and it was two days. And they had us all in the conference room, so they had one group one day and another group the other day. And I was in a group with about 120 other people, so they they had about 250 people out to this this thing over two days in Toronto uh, looking for some Canadian contestants. So we did a written test to make sure that we weren't cheating on the online test, and then we all, in succession, had to go play about a half a round of Jeopardy against two other people on a you know full traveling set of the show with the the actual game on a on a projector and the real buzzer in your hand. I guess it's more of a clicker; don't you know? it doesn't buzz. Um, and I you know I did great. I I, I cleaned up. I, I felt fantastic. And then I never heard anything. So I thought, oh, I guess I'm not going to be on the show. And, and then again, about a few few more months later, I get an email and it was in my spam folder. If I hadn't checked it, you know, it would have, <laughs> would have gone. But I was invited to go down to, to Jeopardy. And they gave me a date in December. And this is 20, was 2013. And we went to the Great Cup that year. I tore my patella and My knee exploded. Not good. Um, so I had to cancel my Jeopardy. And they put me on this, um, you know, this, this, uh, On deck, ready roster in case someone else blows up their patella tendon, I guess. And so, in February, they gave me a couple weeks' notice. They said, "Hey, we got a spot open. Come on down." So I, I did. I went down. Quebec, great tie-cats fan. It was cool to chat with him. He grew up in Sudbury, and and uh, and we were his team. So that was great. The the show itself though, it's over so quick because it's filmed at the pace that you're watching on TV. So. You know, we, we get started that one of the most, one of the more surreal moments was the this grandfatherly voice of the of the announcer seeing him in person. And he is this beautiful golden uh, California tan from living in uh, Hollywood all his life. And, uh, and it's a voice that I've known from, you know, childhood. And, you know, I finally got to uh, to see him. So that was neat. That was a, that was a highlight alongside... Uh, alongside meeting, uh, meeting Trebek, and the, uh, the show itself, you know, first round, uh, Double Jeopardy, and then Final Jeopardy, and it's it's just so fast that uh, I, I got into a hole early, I was in the red, I came back, I built a nice stack in Double Jeopardy, then I hit a daily double in the category that I'm good at, so I bet it all. And, but almost all, I got almost completely wiped out, so I was a non-factor in Final Jeopardy. I had about 1000 bucks, and I got it wrong anyways. But it was fun.
1: Peter, Ben, I, I would love to have you on again. We, we didn't even really talk much about football. I would have loved to dive in more into your LSU days and playing for Nick so Saban, who's be- He's, he's become such a giant figure in American football, and, and of course, I'd love to get your thoughts on where we're headed with the CFL. But I know you got something coming up at, at six thirty. Thank well, you so
2: much. It's, for- it's, a, um, it's actually a Players Association board call, so I'm, I'm still involved uh, in the league through our, our PA, and um, we've, we're, we're fortunate we've got a great group there. We came very close to um, to getting that 2020 short season. Everyone heard about that Hub City-Winnipeg uh, model that should have happened. Uh, but, um, you know, looking forward to seeing all the guys back on the field next year because we, we need it.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. We need the league for sure. Yeah, I hope it's a great call. Hey, let, let's let connect again soon, Peter. I'd love to get your perspective on a bunch of other stuff. Thank you so much for telling oh, tales of politics. Thanks,
2: thanks for having me. Hey, who's winning? Who's, who's winning tonight? Who's winning the election?
1: I'm not making predictions on that, buddy. Sorry. We just hope they all have a good time, right? Yeah, it just, as long as everybody has a good time, gets an orange slice at halftime, everybody's happy. <laughs> that good. That is Peter Dyakowski. checking in. Very interesting gentleman. Uh, ran for the Conservative Party in uh, 2019 in Hamilton, a seat uh, won by the uh, New Democrat. Scott Duvall, a uh, pretty, pretty, fairly close race. Uh, Duvall had 19,000. The Liberal candidate, 16,000. Peter had about 13,500. But uh, smart guy, interesting guy, went on Jeopardy. And uh, yeah, really good to talk to him. 7804960063, the number to call or text. We're back after the break. <laughs> It was great to have Peter Diakowski on the show. Travis writes in, he says, great guy, shared some beers at the Grey Cup with Mr. Diakowski. Travis, that would have been fun. And uh, Diakowski also talking about his appearance on Jeopardy. That'll be our off-topic topic for our abbreviated edition of Inside Sports tonight. 780-496-0063. Which game show would you most like to compete on? Daryl writes in, he says, is Trump or Biden handing out canned hams maybe? See, if one of them would have thought of that, that certainly would have put them over the top. But can ham strictly an inside sports thing right now? All right, we got to do a, a break for the news. Again, we're with you till seven o'clock. We do have special eleven co- uh, election coverage at seven, so you don't have to put up with me while you're waiting to hear who's winning. Back after the news. <laughs> Appreciate you tuning in tonight. Matthew Barnaby scheduled to join us on the show tomorrow. He's always fun to talk to. We'll be back to our regular time, six to eight election coverage coming up at seven o'clock. Dave Leppard texting into the show. He says, Hey Reed, if the CFL did a bubble situation like the NHL did for the playoffs, do you think they would have to play more often than once a week? Would that be possible say to fit into a TV contract or something? Dave, I think that, If the CFL plays next season, I I don't think that they would have a bubble. They were talking about that this year, and they were only going to play six games. I can't see that they would do that for an 18-game season or even a a 12 or a 14 for that matter. I think if they would have been in a bubble, it would have been, what could have they done? Because they would have been using just one stadium in Winnipeg. So maybe you could have had a Thursday night game, a Friday night game, and a doubleheader on Saturday. You would have had to have a game, maybe one in the afternoon and another one at, at, at 7. So I think it still would have been kind of a once-a-week situation. Or, or maybe the CFL just could have played. The, if the CFL would have played from September until now, they wouldn't have had a lot of competition. So maybe they could have played... Games Tuesday, Wednesday, and a couple on Friday. And then you're not going up against NFL broadcasts on Thursday, Sunday, and Monday. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it would have been, I think it would have been different, but I don't think they would have had to condense it too much where a team's playing, you know, Monday and Friday all the time. But interesting question. Something I I think if the CFL plays next year, and, and I do think they will, I think that they're going to have to. Uh, I think they're going to have to figure out a way to have fans, and maybe they might have to modify some things. But good question 780 496 0063. If you want to check in by calling or texting, appreciate you tuning in. I was, we had Peter Diakowski on the show, was thinking about athletes who have, have gone into politics. There, there's probably more than I can think of, but three names immediately came to mind. And we had Peter Diakowski on because. After a career in the CFL, he ran for uh, in the federal election in 2019 in a riding in Hamilton. Steve Largent, who was uh, an excellent receiver for the Seattle Seahawks, played a long time, played from 1976 to 1989, exactly 200 career games, had 819 receptions, just over 13,000 receiving yards, and caught exactly 100 touchdowns. Kind of interesting, exactly 200 games, exactly 100 touchdowns. He was uh, in the House of Representatives from 1994 to 2002. He then ran for the governor of Oklahoma and he wound up second in that race, pretty close race. He lost by about 7,000 votes out of just over a million that were cast. So Steve Largent, how about JC Watts? You remember this guy? If, uh, if you're old enough to remember the 1981 gray cup, you definitely remember JC Watts because he nearly led the Ottawa rough riders, to a huge win over Edmonton that year. And that was, that, that's part of Edmonton's five in a row. And the one that they, comb, they came closest to losing and probably going into it, the one where they were most heavily favored. The Eskimos that season went 14-1-1. 16-game one one, season, they only lost once and they had a tie. And Ottawa was 5-11. and 11. that's right the Ottawa Rough Riders were 5 and 11 and uh and made it to the Grey Cup and you may be asking yourself especially if you don't remember that year in the CFL make the Grey Cup how did they even make the playoffs well don't forget at that time there was no crossover rule five teams in the west three in the east to the top team in each division made the playoffs So in the West, you had Edmonton. I mentioned their record. Winnipeg was 11 and 5. BC was 10 and 6. Saskatchewan was 9 and 7. Calgary was 6 and 10. So Calgary, finishing last in the West, would have been the second place team in the East. Uh, The East Division, Hamilton was pretty solid 11, 4 and 1. Now, not only did Ottawa make the playoffs at 5 and 11, they were second in the East. They hosted the East semifinal because Montreal was 3 and 13. Now, you're probably thinking to yourself, wait a minute! Montreal was 3-13 and 13 and they weren't last? No, they weren't because Toronto was 2-14. and 14. So in the East semifinal, you had five-win Ottawa beating three-win Montreal 20-16. And then Ottawa stunning 11-win Hamilton 17-13, in the East final. So that sets up the showdown with Edmonton in the gray cup. So Edmonton heavily favored and JC Watts, who despite being on the losing team was named the most outstanding player of that gray cup. They get a field goal from Jerry Organ. They get another field goal from Jerry Organ. They get a one yard touchdown run from Jim Reed and Edmonton fans are sitting there thinking, what's going on? What's going on? It's 13 nothing for Ottawa after the first quarter. Then they get a touchdown. It's 20 to nothing. Then Dave Cutler, great kicker, lines up for a 24yard field goal. That's a chip shot. High school kickers make that all the time. He misses it. It's 20 to one for Ottawa at the half. but Edmonton rallies. Warren Moon comes in for the second half. Jim Germany gets a touchdown. Moon scores from the one yard line. Now it's 2015 going to the fourth. Jerry Organ kicks another field goal. Okay, up to 23. And then Moon scores on a one yard run. Marco Sinkar. Remember him? Yeah, that's right. Marco Sinkar, the Edmonton kid winds up playing for his hometown team in the CFL, gets the pass on the two-point convert, we're tied, and then Dave Cutler from 27 yards, last play of the game, kicks it through, 26-23, Edmonton wins, incredible comeback. So J.C. Watts, a central figure in that game, he went into politics, and uh, he was in Congress from 1995 to 2003. And then I think from an Alberta's perspective, Don Getty, Uh, Don Getty, 10 seasons as a quarterback right here in Edmonton, a couple of great cups. Uh, Certainly, I I think you'd have to remember him as as one of the uh, well, I mean, we haven't seen a Canadian quarterback really star in the CFL. I mean, I, I don't like I'm not old quite old enough to remember Russ Jackson. Brandon Bridge played has played a little bit in the CFL. I would not by any means call him a star player. Uh, Don Getty, I was just checking some stats here. He is third all time passing by Canadian quarterbacks in the CFL behind Russ Jackson and Jerry Detilio, who i got to be honest with you, I don't really know anything about. So Don Getty plays uh, for the double E for 10 seasons, and then he's asked by Peter Lougheed to go into politics, and he eventually becomes the Premier of Alberta. So there you go. Uh, yes, and somebody texting in Don Getty and Peter Lougheed. Uh, Brian says, what about Ken Dryden and Frank uh, That Yeah, that's a good point. Don Mahovlich though, did he run for politics or was he just appointed a senator because i wouldn't count that the same way as somebody who actually uh ran for politics but yeah where did dryden run forgot about that uh dryden was a liberal member of parliament from 04 to 2011 so yeah one of the all-time greats in the national hockey league Uh yeah, Peter Laheed played for the double E as well. I, I would think now again I'm not old enough, for him, but I, I would think uh was, was Getty not a better player than than Laheed. Somebody will have to help me there. George Larac, yes, George Larac was briefly a leader of the uh, was he the leader of the Green the Green Party or was he the deputy leader to Elizabeth May? I think he was the deputy leader. But he did. But Larac was definitely involved. Now Larac never—I don't think he ever. Yes, from 2010 to 2013, he was one of two deputy leaders of the Green Party. You guys are Green Party. You guys are putting me to work here. Uh, He did announce that he was going to run in a by-election, but I don't think he ever did. I think he uh, he stepped down before that election came about. So yeah, Mahovlich was appointed. And uh, Ken Dryden actually ran and was an MP. Tyler says, what about Jesse Ventura was the governor of Minnesota? Um, he says, I'm not a wrestling fan, but he is or was an elite athlete. No fair comment, Kellen. You would know about that. Ventura went into politics. And uh, what, what, was, what was Ventura's persona as a wrestler? We do not have Kellen. Kellen has stepped out. He's nope. disgusted by this time. I'm
0: actually just finished talking with a uh, caller here. I got a caller for you on hold if you want to go to him. Oh, sure. Yes. Sure. Who is it? Uh, we got Mike all the way from Fort S- Saskatchewan. We'll bring him in uh, right now for you.
1: Mike from uh, Fort Saskatchewan, the home of Kirby Dock, very promising player for the Chicago Blackhawks. Mike, go ahead. How's it going tonight? I'm doing well
3: um i just got a couple questions uh because the cfl didn't go this year and the contracts, some of the players who end at the end of this year and they've come pre-agency what happens to their contracts do they as far as doing... i know they
1: still haven't decided
3: okay what about the hockey if the hockey doesn't go this year and do their contracts like end it end of this year do they come pre-agency even though we didn't play hockey this year too
1: that, that uh, Yeah, that also hasn't been discussed. I think they are going to play hockey, though, Mike, don't you?
3: Well, I hope so, but the only problem is, is like, how many games do you think they're going to get in? And what yeah. I was reading yesterday is a lot of the players, a lot of the owners don't want to play because you now they're going to be out a lot of their money because they can't have fans.
1: Uh, yes. Well, that's a concern for hockey. But, but they're, the maximum they're going to play is 60 games. And to do that, they probably have to start January 1st, which I don't think they're, they're going to be able to start January 1st. I think we're probably looking at maybe 56 games. If they start as late as February 1st, Mike, I, I think they'd only play 48.
3: Yeah, that's what I was reading. That the, they're talking about playing 48, and some of them are saying it's not worth playing 48 games
1: uh yeah there, i'm sure there are some owners that feel that way i i don't know if it's worth it to go away for an entire season especially in some markets
3: though you know what i mean yeah and that's what i'm figuring is especially down in like arizona and uh and 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 all those southern states where they don't get hockey they they don't they don't breathe it right they, it's not like us up here
1: yeah, so if it goes away for a while, are, are people going to think that, are they going to be waiting for it to come back or is it just going to be something they forget about?
3: Yeah, and that's probably what's going to happen. It's just going to be something they forget about.
1: Yeah, and that's and that's the danger, I think, for, for, this, for the CFL. What if it's gone for a year and people, we, we all know a lot of people aren't making as much money or, or aren't, aren't able to work at all because of everything that's going on. If the CFL does come back, are people going to assign that same disposable income to the Canadian Football League? I'm a, I'm a little concerned about that.
3: Well, I'm more concerned than the players. They have been playing this year, right? So at the end of the contract comes up then this year. Well, because they haven't been playing for a year and the government didn't help them out, so now what happens? They got to live, so they now they've gone and got jobs or they've gone on with their careers or lives. Now half the teams have lost maybe a quarter of their players or whatever. To this and now they're going to have to try start all over again next year right
1: yeah that's a fair comment and i've seen some players on social medias that have just started doing other things with their lives so yeah if they get to call the training camp in may are they going to come or are they going to say geez i'm making just as much or more doing what i wanted to do after football anyway so i'm just going to get on with it and i'm not going to get knocked in the head every six days
3: right yeah and then now all of a sudden we go from like a pretty decent league to they're trying to scramble and to get players
1: yeah that's fair mike thanks a lot for calling man appreciate it hey thanks bud Bye. that is mike seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. 496 a few people texting in yeah normie Kwong wound up being the uh lieutenant governor of alberta i guess i, I yeah i I'm sort of separating people who are appointed as opposed to people who ran for politics and wound up getting elected but yeah definitely a lot of athletes have have ventured into that world for sure 7804960063 we're going to take a quick timeout inside sports on chat special coverage of the american election coming up at the top of the hour here on 6:30. 30 chet and the chorus radio network uh looks like donald trump will be the winner in florida it looks like he has a uh, pretty comfortable well, not a comfortable lead there it's been very close but it looks like he uh has enough with most of the ballots counted and i'm just giving you this information as i'm reading this online i i hope you don't uh uh, I think the sports show is that going good, good to give you the definite result, but I, I do think I should keep you updated on on the news of the day. The website I'm looking at um, has Trump ahead by almost 300,000 votes in Florida with about 90 uh, estimated 94% of the uh, votes in. But we'll have everything for you coming up from 7 and onwards tonight. Uh, thanks for the uh, text. I was some fun little chat there on, on uh, sports figures who became politicians. Uh, somebody texted about Jesse Ventura and know what you're the wrestling guy here what was yeah. Jesse Ventura's wrestling persona Uh
0: Jesse the Body Ventura oh, his, right. throughout his career and uh yeah he was basically a bad guy or a heel wrestler from uh, the start of his career in the late 70s to he had to retire from wrestling in the mid 80s due to uh one of the weirder injuries ever sustained by a wrestler he had Uh, An issue with his lungs because prior to breaking into wrestling, uh, Ventura was a Vietnam veteran and he had uh, Agent Orange uh, poisoning. So it had something to really? do with that. Yeah, it had something to do with that that caused an issue in his lungs. And so one night after a match, he wasn't feeling good. They took him to the hospital and found out that, uh-oh, you've got blood clots in your lungs. That's not good. So uh, they, uh, he immediately retired from in-ring action and then later on became uh, the first bad guy or heel commentator in pro wrestling when he was uh, doing all the Saturday night's main event stuff with Vince McMahon and uh, you know, all the WrestleManias manias and the, so on and so forth. So
1: I've just looked up Ventura here. So he was the governor of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Uh, he expressed interest in, uh, in run in being a running mate for either Trump or Sanders in 2016, mm-hmm. are, are, who I believe Trump and Sanders are quite different politically. Yes. Um, in 2020, in April of this year, I'm just looking on his Wikipedia page, which appears to be uh, verified here. Ventura submitted a letter of interest to the Green Party Presidential Support Committee, the first step to being the Green Party's presidential nominee. But then in May, he announced that he wouldn't run for health reasons. Ventura has said he would write in his own name in the presidential election today, but he would support Green candidates on the rest of the ballot. So there you go. We'll have to try and check the results tomorrow, Kellen, Mm -hmm. or whenever they are all official
0: probably be a while but
1: <laughs> yeah exactly uh this texture says thanks for the information on jesse the body 630 chad home of mr wrestlepedia that is kellen kennedy for sure i if like you, that if you, if you need wrestling information <laughs> kellen is the uh, it's the place to get it especially on uh on inside sports okay well yeah the oilers signed dominic cahoon uh we had phil bork on the show last night you can get that interview by going to the uh show page on 630ched.com getting the audio for past shows calling calling him a top 9 forward says that he's a good playmaker not a great skater but has a decent first step and you can get the full story on Cahoon on 630ched.com or globalnews.ca um, yeah uh, a couple more texts about Normie Kwong who we mentioned and uh, there you go <laughs> It's, it's, uh, Peter Dyakowski was was really interesting, and he, uh, as he joked, he was the bronze medal winner on an episode of Jeopardy. They only have three people, and he said it was totally different once you get there, and the lights are actually on, and the questions are are firing at you from Alex Trebek. Okay. Well, we're done. That was a quick one. We got a, we got a regular two-hour show tomorrow. Matthew Barnaby is on. Uh, John Scott's going to be on a little later in the week. He's always fun to chat with as well. Thanks to Dave Campbell. He's the producer of the show. Kellen, Mr. Wrestlepedia Kennedy, the studio producer. We have uh, Global News U.S. election special coverage coming up at 7 o'clock. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for checking in. Hope you have a great night, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.